Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Chiefs offseason is in full swing as we are nearly a week removed from the Super Bowl. Got plenty of draft talk ahead this offseason, so we'll start off with the Arrowhead Pride draft room as Ron Cop, Brian Stewart, Talon Graf sat down and had a discussion about Tyron Matthew, Orlando Brown Jr., and Melvin Ingram, the Chiefs' clear-cut top free agents that they would obviously like to bring back if they can find a way to make the money work. Then we heard from Arrowhead Pride editors Pete Sweeney and John Dixon as they gave away their way-too-early Chiefs 2022 MVP. Then we'll take a quick timeout, and when we get back, we had our first episode of Draft Talk with Ron Kopp and Rocky Magania. They've got their first full off-season Chiefs mock draft, get you set up for that NFL draft and figure out where the Chiefs should be looking. That's all coming up today on Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. That's true. No, it is. Uh, there's no stress today for Chiefs fans. And in any, if anything, it gave us a little uh, head start to the off-season. And, and, and as, Brian, as Brian mentioned, as, as you listeners know, we've got a jump start on our draft prep, which has been nice because the last two years, you know, you're not into draft season until probably a week or two after the Super Bowl because you're talking about the Super Bowl, you're reviewing the Super Bowl. We're ahead of the game now, but as part of the draft process, it's not all about just the draft itself, right? We talked about that last week. We actually previewed uh, the position, the off seasons for positions like cornerback, safety, edge rusher, even just defensive line in general and receiver last week. Well, in that spirit, we're going to talk about some 2022 free agents, some unrestricted free agents that the Chiefs have to make a decision on, right? These are all guys that are just on the open market right now that were Chiefs in 2021. And we're going to start off with some really important players. I mean, this has been the talk of the entire uh, the city right now, obviously, the entire Chiefs kingdom. But we're going to play a little game here, guys. We're going to play a little game where I'm going to go down a list of players. We're each going to give our take on whether the Chiefs should re-sign them or let them walk in free agency, as, as in, hey, they're no longer Chiefs. They're going to go sign with another team. And to start off the game... We're going to start with the biggest name uh, on this list, and I think it is, uh, safety Tyron Matthew. Obviously, two-time All-Pro in Kansas City the last three seasons. You know, there's been some weird talk all season with him, right? You know, uh, why didn't they get the extension done last seat, last summer? You know, he kind of kept saying, I want to be here, but nothing came from it. And all of a sudden, during the season, we get some social media stuff, some cryptic tweets. Now, after the season, he's already basically saying he's out the door on Twitter, but then at the NFL honors, he talks about, he wants to be here. Right. So, uh, it's, it's been a really confusing process, but I'm gonna start here, man. I just think it, at his age and where he's at and what contract he could demand and what other, you know, what other teams could ask, uh, to, or sh- could propose to him. I mean, as, as much as he wants to be here, man, you know, he, I just don't think the chiefs want to pay him what other teams can. 
And I just think that's going to result in him walking um, and the Chiefs kind of having to regroup and, and, and reshuffle their defense and kind of, uh, you know, get more players at the safety position and kind of find their next guy. But I just think you can't pay for you can't pay someone for what they've already done. You got to pay them for what they're going to do. And I don't know if I think we've already seen the peak of Tyron in a Chiefs uniform. So I'm going to say let walk talent. I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, give your take on the Tyron situation. Yeah, as hard as it is, I agree. Uh, I think you have to let him walk once that price point gets to a certain spot. <clears throat> Obviously, there's there's desire on both sides, apparently, that you know they want to continue this relationship, bring Tyron back. Um, what that deal looks like in the eyes of Brett Veach, and if that matches what Tyron wants. I don't know. And and that's going to, you know, that's going to obviously drive whether or not he's in a Chiefs uniform next year. But if it's me, I think this is going to be a walk situation. And, and, uh, and when they signed Tyron, you know, back with the original deal, the, he was brought in to do exactly what he did, help this defense get to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl. Uh, he got him one, help him get to two. So you can't discount what he has done for the Chiefs organization. And that has nothing to do with this decision. You hear it all the time. The NFL is still a business. So I think moving forward, I think the safety position is where you have to start getting younger and youthful and, and finding those long-term guys. And, and I just don't know if Tyron is a long-term guy at the safety position. Not anymore. Yeah, so I Talon kind of sold me a, a different direction just right there. Uh, entering this, I would have probably said, you know, give him your best offer and test out that idea that the Chiefs culture is so strong that guys are going to, you know, take a little bit of a sweetheart deal to stay. And I think Tyron might do that. But just listening to Talon go over that process, I think he's he's right. And I think maybe they do just need to go ahead and, and let him go a separate way. Because if this defense is going to be overhauled the way that we kind of think it's going to, they're probably better off just really rinsing off the, the leadership of this past three years and kind of letting the new guys create their own identity. And so there's no crossover and, and confusion that way. So, yeah, I'm going to say go ahead and let Tyron walk and um, best of luck to him wherever he goes. Cause he obviously did some great things here in his time. Yeah. And that's the thing. Other teams are going to want him in their building. Right. And so that's why I really think he's going to, he's going to not be able to refuse some of the offers he's going to get on the open market as a two time, all three time, all pro first team, all pro safety. Actually he got one. When he was with the Cardinals. Next player, though, we've all talked about him a little bit. Uh, if you followed us on the AP film room during the season, we, we talked about Orlando Brown Jr. quite a bit. Uh, Talon, I'm going to let you start off with this one. Yeah, and this is a, a hot topic, right? You know, what do you do with Orlando Brown? Do you just let him walk? Do you tag him? Do you tag and sign? Do you tag and trade? Do you just sign him to a long-term deal and get it over with? Um, there's a lot of options on the table, and, and really a lot of them are viable, and, and, and there's arguments to be made for everyone. But I think the best solution and the most logical solution is to, to, to slap the tag on him, um, give him another year with the Chiefs, because really, and we've talked about it before a little bit, but the alternatives to Orlando Brown at this juncture just don't seem to be uh, that much of an improvement, if any improvement at all. So, yeah, put the tag on him, give him another year, uh, see if he can improve on those areas that we really you know, look for him to improve on uh, to be that elite left tackle. So if he does that, you can obviously throw out the long-term deal then and, and, and get him signed uh, with the organization for, for the future. But um, And then if he doesn't meet those expectations, then then the conversation start up again about what to do with him. So uh, at this point, you just, you just put the tag on him. Um, I'm 
so those who have read the article I put out a couple weeks ago kind of already know the answer here. But for me, um, with Orlando Brown, I am going to tag him at a minimum because we already have too many other holes. Can't afford to have a gaping hole at left tackle. But I'm actually going to be okay with an extension as long as they are um, actually going to evolve this offense and and kind of embrace all the powerful physical talent they have. If Andy Reid and, and the staff that he's going to have offensively, you know, if they're comfortable saying, yeah, we're, we're going to do some different things next year that really um, are best for this offensive line and what they do, then I say go ahead and, and get that cap number down this year by giving him a four, maybe a five-year extension. Or no, I think I think that's a great point, Brian, because, yeah, if, if they really do want to, you know, commit themselves to – being a different type of offense, right? And hey, we're we're in the middle right now. We do not know if Eric Bieniemy is going to be back next year. You know that could be something. There could be something to that in terms of there could be a shakeup on offense, the offensive philosophy. Who knows? We might see an outside person come in and become offensive coordinator for Kansas City. We don't know for sure yet. And and I actually do think the fact that there are even reports about this happening kind of tells you that it's there probably might there's probably going to be a separation. Um, which you know, hey, at at some point. When it's when EB is not getting a head coaching job, you know, sometimes you just got to shake it up. Right. You know, get him somewhere else. So maybe he can get it from there. So I would say franchise tag, too. Um, but I do think, Brian, if, if they are ready to commit, like you're saying, to a, a different style of offense, just get it done, man. Just just get him there. Uh, Talon mentioned what kind of alternatives do you have? I mean, you're talking about protecting your franchise quarterback and just being, a you know, having a good offensive line in general. Why don't you just keep the guy that, that played pretty well this year? Not obviously perfect, but played pretty well. Obviously, he's going to get better and better. He's still a young guy. So I'm definitely down to franchise tag Orlando Brown or 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 just sign him, right? Um, but I, th- I think I'd rather lean franchise tag this year just to make sure, um, just, to, just to see what happens with him in his second year in the, in the with the Chiefs. But we're going to go to the third player. That is edge rusher Melvin Ingram. Obviously got signed in the middle of the season. And now all of a sudden is one of the biggest names on the Chiefs defense and someone that we're all going to be, uh, you know, really curious to see what happens with him this offseason. Brian, start us off on this one. I'm doing all I can to bring Melvin Ingram back. Uh, he's one where he was only there for half a season. So he's not really a super extended holdover from from the regime if they do let Matthew and and Clark go Um, but I just I think he brought so much good energy to the defense he fit in really well played as good as any defensive lineman on the roster in the back half of the season and so even though it might take several months for him to commit I'm definitely getting that dialogue going and 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 saying okay let's let's kind of get a verbal agreement in place that you're going to sign you know whatever date that's going to be um, and fill a, you know, a starting role play, hopefully 50, 60% of the snaps. Yeah. You're right about the whole, it might take a while. Uh, I think that's what happened last year is he just didn't want to go through OTAs. He didn't want to go through, I mean, he signed before training camp. So I guess he doesn't mind going through training camp, but uh, yeah, but my thing with this and and my answer actually to this is let walk. And, and it's not because I don't want him back. I, I would love to have Melvin Ingram back in a chief's uniform. I think what happened this year, though, is exactly what he wanted to happen, which was I'm going to get on a contending team, which obviously at first he he wasn't, and then he got on the Chiefs. But just in general this season, he proved to the rest of the NFL that he's still got a lot of juice left in the tank. You'd think, at least. I mean, I, it looked like it, right? You just mentioned it. He looked like the best pass rusher on the Chiefs. 
Uh, and that's a team that has two of the most, the two of the highest paid passers in the NFL on their team. Melvin Ingram comes in, looks like looks better than both of them at times. And I really think another NFL team is, is, you know, maybe an instant, you know, a team that wants to contend right away, a team that's just maybe a, a pass rusher away. They think someone's going to throw the bag at him. You know, I think there was a lot of injury stuff about, you know, last year. I think a lot of injury scares kind of made teams maybe not commit to him, uh, you know, as much. That's why he was able to sign for just that that cheap one year deal late in the in the offseason. But I think this year it's going to be a different story. I think teams are going to want to throw, you know, a good amount of money at him, multi-year deals, even though he's in his early 30s, almost mid 30s. And I just I don't know. It's not good business for the Chiefs to be signing guys that old uh, to multi-year deals. But hey, if he if he wants to try to win another ring, I think this is a great place to do it, and that might be his priority, right? So, Talon, what do you got on Melvin Ingram? Yeah, and and you actually kind of hit on it right there at the end. I think right now his and I don't know for sure, but I, in my opinion, I think his personal motivation right now is, is to get that ring. And look, he played for the Chargers the entirety of his of his career. Then he went to Pittsburgh. Now he's in Kansas City. He's moved around a lot recently. You know, why go to another team? with the potential of being a t- contender, you know, depending on who that may be. Um, you know, I, you look at the teams with a lot of salary cap and you look at the Colts, he, they, they might be a team that do, do it. But um, in reality, I think Melvin Ingram is better suited to, to bring back, re-sign him um, because he's going to give leadership to your locker room. He's going to give production on the field. Um, he's, he, he has that desire still to make the Super Bowl. That, that, that taste is in his mouth from, from last season. Um, I say last season was two weeks ago. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think this is a guy that really has that hunger still. And I, I think he wants to, 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 get, to do it and do it with the chiefs. And he's proven that he can be productive in Spagnuolo's uh, defense. So why not bring this guy back? And, and I think, I think there's mutual desire there. All right, let's make our way too early prediction for 2022 chiefs MVP. What do oh, you think? Wow. Um, Bolton MVP. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We yeah. can't predict rookie of the year. I actually almost wrote on our outline predicting the rookie of the year, which would have been really dumb. And I'm like so happy that I caught it because we don't, you know, we don't know any rookies. Um, I'm going that's, to say that's totally a top level take. I mean, I literally spent three seconds thinking about that. Nice. Okay. From, from started from Mackley Hill. Now we hear at the Derek Thomas word. I think that I'm going to go with Mahomes. I, it's just too, it, I think, I think we are seeing the start. I saw our boy, or I should say our former boy, a former Arrowhead Pride advocate on Good Morning Football, Peter Schrager already leaning into, now this is Joe Burrow's conference. I mean, come on. I, I look at, yeah. at... I used to like him. <laughs> Joe Burrow, granted, he outplayed Mahomes. I, I can't yeah. say that. And he did it twice. Yeah. Fair, right? Yeah. But he doesn't have an MVP. He he didn't win the Super Bowl. He didn't get yeah. the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he hasn't done it for enough years. He's done it for like a year and a half. And and the Bengals were not necessarily on their way to even making the playoffs in the first year. Now, I think he's going to be even better as they continue to build this team and, and bolster that offensive line. But I, I don't know. I just think it's too early to be handing over the conference. And I've just seen Mahomes over the years and watching him see these takes and dude the dude is a he's a junkie for sports i mean he you see it on the stories and he goes home and he not only watches live sports or you know other games he'll watch basketball and he'll watch these talking head shows 
And I, you know, say what you want. I think he does need to have some fundamental work. I, I've said that before on this show. He is going to come back next year on a mission. And like, I yeah. just don't, I'm not going to bet against Mahomes. I, I mean, I, I think th- this coming year more than other years, I felt like since the MVP season, I mean, this feels like a 40 to 50 touchdown year where he kind of says, you guys truly forgot about how good I can be. And it's especially entering an offseason where he has a lot of tape of things to work on. I don't, you know, of the of the seasons he's been a starter, I don't know if he's ever had this much bad tape. And I think to an extent that could be a, a good thing entering a year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I know that it's it's as they would say chalk, but I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes for MVP. I, I think you really see a, 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 a vengeance style of Pat uh, in 2022. Yeah. OK. And and th- that's a very compelling argument. I buy that. But I'm going to I'm going to double down because I think that Bolton is the kind of player who could make a huge impact on this defense under Steve Spagnolo and and that's why I um, that's where I'm starting here with Bolton as the most well, valuable player. I mean, you know, yes, Mahomes on offense is clearly going to be the most valuable player in almost any season that the Chiefs play while he's still on I'll, the team. I'll uh, say this that, about Bolton. I mean, it's a credit to him for how fast he was able to make an impact. I mean, you yes. didn't have an offseason mm-hmm. for Willie Gay or, or Clyde which, you know, they mentioned right. was was tough because of the, mm-hmm. the pandemic and everything. But uh but a Bolton did, and he really stepped in. And you know, you you you're in an, a period in the offseason where you you know you play these games, cut, resign, blah blah blah. What do you want to mm. do? I mean, it, it's to me, it's almost obvious that, that the Chiefs could just save money by moving on from Hitch, and they can mm-hmm. because of the way Bolton looked. Now, you know, I think he has some some growth. I think it's going to be a tough call. I don't think it's necessarily going to be easy. We forget sometimes these guys are people and we know Spags has such a great relationship with Hitchens, but right. just the, the savings that go into it mm-hmm. and the business of the NFL uh, to me, it, it seems like one of the more obvious moves Yeah, moving, moving on from Hitch and Clark just seem obvious to me for, our, for different reasons. And, right. and Bolton's a huge part of the, the Hitchens thing. I think they really needed to see the year they did from Bolton to feel comfortable mm-hmm. to say we can, right. move on. we'll see. We'll see what happens yeah, here. Yeah, if the, if Bolton hadn't played the way he did this year, I think this would be a really tough call on Hitchens. But he did play extremely well, and he did, you know, learn how to use the green dot, and I think he's in a position that they can feel comfortable with him as the guy, which makes it easier to let Hitchens go. But I agree. Without without the season Bolton had, this would be a very tough decision with Hitchens. I, I, I'm totally buying into that. Off-season feature of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. Uh, we put up a poll this morning, and I came up with this. Which position do you want to see the Chiefs upgrade the most this off-season? I put the listings at defensive back, John, defensive line, wide receiver, and other. Of those mm-hmm. positions, what do you think is leading right now? Edge rusher, yeah. That's what seem, people seem to want. Yeah, yep, that's correct. Line. And I was yeah. curious how many fans were out there that that prioritize those other two positions. I feel like if I do commend myself, I feel like I nailed the options because other only got 2%, which means, okay, I picked the right <laughs> other position. For some reason, Twitter only allows you four options, yeah. which mm-hmm. is hard. Anyway, so uh, let's fix that Twitter. There's a lot of Twitter needs to fix. But Well, now, well, wait a minute. You're always telling me if I put more than four choices on a poll, that's too many. And now you're saying Twitter needs to have more? Yes. 
I, okay. I, I'm going right. back on. I'm going I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Let's put as many <laughs> options as you can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so defensive back got 20%. Wide receiver got 19.4. I mean, which we yeah, can about the same. Yeah. About the mm-hmm. same. Uh, so one in five Chiefs fans want defensive back. One in five Chiefs fans want wide receiver the most. 60% of fans are ready to see the defensive line improve. And, and, and that's uh, a kudos to uh, Brett Feach. And, and I think he identified that as well. Yeah. And, you know, if, if we're writing Clark off in that sense, I mean, you're really looking at like Chris Jones and some guys that you would kind of consider Jags, which are like just a guys. Um, I, I think it's a little unfair to say that because I think they have a lot of upside, but we haven't really seen like a Turk Wharton, for example, he's had moments. Mike mm-hmm. Dana moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they starters? I don't know. You know, yeah. but for what it's worth, like a college basketball team in March Madness, Steve Spagnuolo likes to run like a six or seven, eight man lineup and, you know, rotates them in and out. So they have fresh legs. So you really need the depth. And that group is going to look so different next year. I mean, you talk about the change that needs to take place along the line. Yeah. And I like that part of Brett Veach because he, he kind of realized, okay, if we our line was a little bit better, I mean, if there's one thing you learn from the divisional round and the Super Bowl with all these sacks on Joe Burrow, and then you you get that AFC outlier of one sack, I know that Chris Jones almost had him in in grasp a few times. Shoot, if the defensive line was a little bit better, you're probably in the Super Bowl. I mean, I know we yeah. had the, mm-hmm. the case about OBJ, so it really fascinated to see how you know they approach this, and we've got a. A great series right now. Our, our film guys are working hard to work through each position, and we've got articles up about you know improving the defensive line on Arrowhead Pride right now uh, through free agency and the draft. I I'm I think where I'm at is I want to see how much money they can kind of carve out or what they do to do that first, and then I think you could start to make decisions of like, all right, well, how much can they improve each thing? Because I do think you know you talk about the line, which is number one here, but I do think they do want to address defensive backs like maybe with a, a top pick for a change on day one or day two and i know for a fact i mean i don't know who it is yet but they will get a wide receiver in i believe in free agency so i think all these positions will be addressed well i think we have to bear in mind that brett veach will do what he always does and try and cover the holes all the holes in Just some former way. first round pick who stinks right now and right well he's gonna find he's he's <laughs> gonna have good. enough people to go out and play a game before the draft begins so that he's not backed into a corner about particular positions that he has to take. And I think that's, I personally have always thought that's an ideal strategy. You don't want to be in a position where you've got to take a particular position and maybe take a player that, that you don't want because you know, he's the first guys available at this terrible position of need. So I expect we're going to see that in free agency. We may not get splashy guys, free agents at all these positions of need, but we're going to have some, you know, we didn't have Creed Humphrey. We had Austin Blythe, but we had Austin Blythe going into the draft. So Veach wasn't forced to take you a know, center, you know, it, is, it, they do do a really good job of that. I, it, yeah. it, it, it's incredible yeah. every year where we're entering the draft and you're like, man, they already kind of fixed all these position groups. And mm-hmm. that's why that's, they're able to really work in the value yeah. and, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm always excited for the combine and the pre-draft pressers and stuff like that because Veach leans in into I mean last year it's crazy I mean if you really go back to the pre-draft pressers 
he was saying that their the money spot was the late second round, and that's where they had two mm-hmm. picks, and that's where yep. they took Bolton and Humphrey that fans are arguing about today for <laughs> kid a year. So uh, kudos to to like him, and and he really says like where the hot zone they call it hot zones, I believe, yeah. uh, where the hot zones are, and you know, and and I I, lo- I love that the draft is getting more and more popular every year, but the reason it's so hard to predict is because. And, and the Chiefs feel this way, too, is that they want to take the guy where the value is in the draft. And I truly believe that. Like, I know Brad Beach gets a, a bad rap when it comes to defensive backs, but I, I really thought that that quote was telling. I think we've, we've talked about it on this before, so I don't have to go deep into it. But I really thought that quote was telling. It's like, look, they're expensive, A, so free agency is hard. Uh, remember, they were in on Jalen Ramsey that one year. Um, and then And then, mm-hmm. B, it's like, well, we're not necessarily going to they don't want to reach for a guy. And like, I think that in a, in a sense is a, is a good thing. And it's not like he's been a GM for 10 years and, and never went into. I mean, it's not it's only been a handful of years, you know, since mm-hmm. they, they even right. did this thing. So I, I believe he started with the 2018 draft. So it's only been four drafts. So I, I'd say let's see if if they either trade up for an edge or trade back and get an edge and a defensive back that they like in the right spots. And, and I don't know, I I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, really. Yeah. interesting. Well, he's, you know, I, I made this point. I think it was last week that this is the thing I really like about beach is that he's not just locked into a particular plan of action that he's got multiple scenarios going. Well, if this goes this way, then I have to go this way. And, you know, I, I like that about him is that he really sees this thing as, as something with a lot of moving parts. It's very hard to manage. Anybody who can manage it deserves our respect. And so, and I think Veach is a guy who knows how to manage all those moving parts. I can't imagine what having that job would be like. I just, I just can't even deal with the thought of For- that. So from a distance, Ryan Poles joins the Chicago Bears as a general manager. And I, I saw this floating and I can't remember where I saw it. So forgive me, whoever <laughs> made this. But it was somewhere out there on social media where there's a thought that Poles is going to do some beach like things in Chicago when it comes to mm-hmm. the draft. And that makes sense. And and also to now beach may and may have created some competition on those beach specials where it's it, you know, I made a joke about it before, but it's the former first rounder that maybe Poles. Mm-hmm. Right, liked, and maybe they both like together, and it's like come to the Bears or the Chiefs. We'll see how Justin Fields improves, and and right now I think you'd still pick the Chiefs if you had both teams, but who knows? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the PropG podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. I guess what positions are you wanting to pick, you know, for the Chiefs kind of in, in what positions like the first round? Are you wanting a certain position? Are you wanting a certain type of player? Um, I guess just what are your overall thoughts when you were going into the, the mock draft from a Chiefs perspective, first of all? Yeah, going into the mock as a Chiefs perspective, from a Chiefs perspective, um, I think a lot of people, myself included, think that edge rusher is one of our biggest needs. Um, and it's also a premier position that's going to cost a lot of money in free agency. So I, I was really hoping um, to get one of the top end edge rushers to follow us um, when I was going through this draft process. Um, I think other than that, then wide receivers kind of the, the fallback position as well, because, you know, we need that traditional outside X receiver that can beat the press man coverage. Um, and then thirdly, if neither one of those were going to be there, then, you know, our, um, our good friend Christian Gumminger, like he says, go with the blue chipper, you know, go with the blue <laughs> chip guy that you can, uh, that you can trust, you know? So then it was just going to be best available was kind yeah. of the idea. So we're going, going with the need. And then if need if the pockets of the need were, were exhausted, then go best available. I'm with you on the needs. I'm sure a lot of Chiefs kingdom is, um, you know, uh, I think edge rusher, just pass rusher in general, even if it is an interior guy, honestly, I mean, it, it really is just important. Um, in the draft, and it's really hard to find guys at pass rusher that are going to be truly good, you know, legitimate guys, you know, past the first round at times. But you went another route in this mock draft, and that's where we'll kick off here at number 30. A, a, a guy that, that I, you know, sometimes you see him kind of closer to the top of these mock drafts, but we're really going to see, uh, you know, it, it's going to depend on kind of how the offseason goes for him. But Drake London, the wide receiver from USC, was your first pick. Um, you took him, and, and I will say, you know, a couple a couple uh, guys went right before him that could have been potential cheese picks at receiver two. Uh, I'm a big Garrett Wilson guy. He went to, at 27. Jahan Dotson went a, a, a pick before. Uh, I should. I'm gonna I'm gonna get better at saying what what university every player went to. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State receiver, Penn State receiver is Jahan Dotson. But Drake London, Rocky, when you make that pick, you got to be a little excited, right? Well, what were your feelings uh, making that selection as a Chiefs? You know, I had, I had mixed emotions um, when I made that selection because, you know, I had Drake London as my number two wide receiver behind Garrett Wilson. Um, but then I really had my heart set on Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State. I thought that he would just be an amazing fit for the Chiefs. And I think that he's kind of a next level type of player. Um, and when Green Bay took him at 28, my heart sunk a little bit, you know. <laughs> so, um, and so with Drake London, though, he's, I think he's almost as good of a root runner as Garrett Wilson, but he's five inches taller. Um, he's a guy who, who if he falls to the Chiefs and he's there at 30 like he is in my mock draft, it's because he was injured. Um, he broke his ankle back in October. He only played eight games this year, but in those eight games, he put up over 1,000 yards. He's a big play, big threat guy, wins the 50-50 ball um, almost every single time, can play the X receiver or he can play in the slot. Um, 
it's it's interesting for such a big guy. He creates a lot of separation because he has a strong plant foot out of his breaks, and he and he's able to lose a lot of cornerbacks coming out of his breaks on his roots um, in a way that you don't see a guy with his size do very often. No, you're right, man. He is he is special in terms of just like how he moves for his size. You know, one thing I thought thought was really interesting about him that I didn't know until you know actually just recently I was listening to a draft pod. He was playing basketball at USC for the first couple of years he was there. It was actually just this last year. It was the first time he's ever in his life completely had been able to focus on football, which is pretty, uh, you know, a, a special when you're talking about a guy being able to play at that high of a level, basketball and football, uh, and for multiple seasons too. So kind of tells you the athlete he is. And and that it is, it is a missing element the Chiefs don't have. You know, they have guys that can, you know, be versatile like he should be able to in terms of their positional alignment. But in terms of a guy that can also, you know, not only be a guy that can, you know, catch after the ball, you know, break you off on a route, but also, you know, make a contested catch. They, they've never really valued that. Right. So it would be it would be kind of cool to see them, you know, get someone that Mahomes can just throw up to. Right. And, 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 and let him go get a jump ball in the red zone. I feel like they've tried, you know, Josh Gordon, I think, was an attempt maybe at doing that. Obviously didn't work out too well. Um, yeah, Drake London might be that that chance to get kind of all encompassing, all those skills kind of in one thing. Yeah, but, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I think that that's something that Andy Reid has kind of learned and changed um, over the years. You know, because traditionally he likes those kind of six foot tall Garrett Wilson type of receivers, but I think the last couple of years we've seen him make an effort with like bring keeping Jody Fortson on the roster this year, even though he was at tight end. They they lined him out wide a lot, you know, and bringing in Josh Gordon and trying to get Joju Smith-Schuster last offseason that he wants that he, – he sees the need for that bigger-bodied receiver that can, right. that can move the chains for him. Some other players, Rocky, you could have considered there – well, you, you probably were considering there um, at that number 30 position. One guy that went 32 to the Lions that we've been talking at AP about lately is uh, Daxton Hill, the safety from Michigan. Shout out my guy Talon Graff. He was on him early. Seems to be the kind of the consensus, maybe that first safety besides Kyle Hamilton on most draft boards, but you know, not completely. You know, there's other guys. Another option could have been Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State. He went early in the second round. Um, and then another guy that I I first got on. It sounded like you you were a fan of him too as well, Rocky. Uh, Lewis Seen. Any consideration for taking a safety at that number thirty spot instead of Drake London? One hundred percent. It was like. If I was going to go safety in the first round, it would have been Daxon Hill or Lewis Seen. Um, personally, I like Lewis Seen a little bit better than um, Daxton Hill, even though Daxton Hill is a little bit better athlete than Seen. I just think I like Seen's attitude, and I think he brings that kind of leadership swagger that may be missing in the secondary if Tyron Matthews not back there. But the main reason why, why I passed on is because this is such a deep safety draft that there's guys in round four, five, and six who maybe I don't love quite as much as those two guys, but I like them quite a bit. I like them enough that I would plug them into my secondary and feel good about them having meaningful snaps early on. Um, so it's more because of the depth of the safety position in this draft than than, than not liking the guys. Yeah, and I, I think when you got to – I think we talked about blue chips. I mean, I think Drake London qualifies for that. Um, I would, I have him, him and Garrett Wilson are in a, a, a tier by themselves, in my opinion, in this receiver class. Um, I know, and, and, and Traylon Burks is a guy that I know he, he has the, the skills or the, the size, I should say, you know, I think the skills need to be more refined. He could be someone that turns into the best guy in this class. 
Um, but I, I do worry a little bit about his immediate uh, being able to be just like a legitimate receiver just because of the way he was used at Arkansas. Um, but someone like Drake London, I just – I don't know. It, it just feels like the the way he was used, he could still be used to an even further extent, um, you know, in the NFL, his versatility at his size. But another another receiver real quick, too, that I'm, I'm surprised uh, left out of the first round, uh, Chris Olave, he went 36 to the Giants. You know, I'm not a huge Olave guy, honestly. I, I think he he's he kind of has to fit a certain role in the NFL. Um, but I don't know, Rocky. He's kind of more of a speed guy, kind of more of a route, you know, runner. Just kind of, you know, he's going to get open, but maybe not be more, you know, maybe not the bigger bodied guy, the physical guy that we've been talking about. I feel like with some of these receivers, do you give any consideration to going Chris Olave instead of Drake London? Honestly, zero consideration. Yeah, <laughs> to go yeah. Chris Olave than Drake London. I think that. They're like you said, they're in separate classes. I think Drake London is head and shoulders the better wide receiver. And I think that we have a lot of guys like Chris Olave already on the roster. If I I project Chris Olave, he's gonna be a decent number two or three wide receiver who works pre- predominantly out of the slot and he has value to a team, but I don't think he's a difference maker. And if for any other reason than purely this where I, I, I chose Drake London, is that I want to hear Chris Collinsworth for the next 10 years use the same tired. He's using basketball skills out on the <laughs> field like he used to do with Tony Gonzalez every other oh, every other God. target, you know? So. That, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, you're right. They There's nothing more announcers love than a guy who used to play basketball or just any other sport, I guess, um, and bringing it out to talk about it during the broadcast. So that was your pick at 30. We talked about some guys that we might consider, but the Chiefs don't pick again until number 62 at the bottom of the second round, uh, you know, third to last spot in the second round. And this is where you would just address pass rusher, which is a good, which, you know, this, this guy is someone that I actually liked last year. I thought when he was going to come out last year, I thought he might be a potential pick. That is Myja Sanders. My, my, I should know how to say that by now. Myja Sanders, the edge rusher from Cincinnati. That Cincinnati defense is fun, man. Anyone from that defense is going to be a, a fun pick or a guy that you, you feel good about. Um, you know, there's actually a, a safety later in the class. You talk about a deep safety class. Brian Cook could be another option at safety. But you talk about Sanders. You talk about a guy that's kind of experienced. Obviously, I, you know, I mentioned he. a lot of people thought he'd go last year. And honestly, he, I, I don't think anyone thought he would have been at the bottom of the second round last year. I think he would have been closer to the first round. So maybe his draft stock slipped a little bit, but Rocky, what do you feel about grabbing, uh, you know, this guy? He, he seems to be kind of pro ready to me. I, I would probably say that about Sanders. Oh, I think he's a hundred percent pro ready. Um, my guy is my guy, man. I, <laughs> my if, guy is my guy. Okay. I love it. If you uh, look at the white, at the edge rushers that are outside of that top seven range, you know, that, that those kind of slam dunk first round guys, um, uh, once you get beyond that, he's heads and tails the best remaining guy. Um, beyond Cameron Thomas, I don't think there's a better edge prospect than than Sanders. He's got the length that you want. He's got great bend off the edge. Um, he's got he's not the strongest guy, but for his size, he has really good functional strength. Um, and, he, and he gets your hands his hands on the tackle. He can he can thump him a bit um, for his big for because he's a pretty slender you know edge rusher, but he's strong. Yeah. Um, and he's got a great inside move as, as well as outside move he sets up the pass rush well he's got a good plan i like you said i think he's just pro ready he's not a guy that's going to be coming in raw he was the best pass rusher on arguably the second best defense in the nation last year 
Yeah, he does seem like a guy that, you know, I, I feel like he's a high floor guy. I feel like I kind of said the same thing about, um, you know, when we talked earlier about some guys that you could take in the first round, but just kind of a high floor guy. Well, it, yeah, hey, maybe he's not going to be like the, you know, 15 sack guy that you, you obviously want when you're drafting an edge rusher or just a pass rusher, but he might be a guy that just gives you quality snaps, a lot of quality snaps. A versatile pass rusher, I do think he's he's pretty good at stunts, like moving to the inside and in and, and, and certain situations. Kind of just a, 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 an all-around guy, and that's the kind of guy Spags likes, obviously, in his pass rush group. But there were a couple other names in, in, in terms of pass rushers that went a little past him that I was I was intrigued about. Um, you know, the he seems to be the hot name now, Arnold Ebichetti from Penn State. Um, I, I want your thoughts on him, but the other one too was Boye Mafe, the edge rusher from Minnesota. Um, those two, I feel like are a little, maybe a little smaller guys, right? They're maybe not the, the biggest guys. I don't think Sanders is the biggest guy either, but I think they have a little bit smaller frames than Sanders does, but they do have some juice. Did you consider those guys at all for that pick? I did. And they do have some juice. Um, but I think the thing that sets Sanders apart from the rest of this tier in my eyes is that when you watch the tape, these guys, these other guys win through effort and, you know, maybe some good technique or strength, but Sanders just beats his guy. Like you see, you watch the tape and there's multiple times where Sanders just beats the tackle to the outside or he beats them on the inside where it's just, there's not even a question about the rep that he just dominates that rep. And now does he need to dominate those reps a little bit more often? Probably. But when you watch the tape, He's the guy that's left that has those reps that you see from the top tier guys like um, Hutchinson and Thibodeau. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. like those guys do it consistently. He doesn't do it quite as consistently, but he's the guy that's left that still does it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that, honestly. And I think, like I kind of said, the Cincinnati defense, you know, it, it could get underrated a little bit because of the conference they play in, obviously. And they, they don't play, you know, they're not playing SEC schools every week. But, man, there's a reason they were that good these last couple of years. It's because they have a very talented player, especially on that defense. It's kind of been their their calling card. And Sanders has been the leader in that pass rush group, man. He, he really is an exciting player. You know, let's let's move back in time a little bit, though, to that first pick. If you were to go someone not receiver, let's say you go safety, let's say, you, you know, maybe there is an edge rusher. Not in this case. We didn't get an edge rusher we really like that fell to us. But if there was one, one receiver I really like at 62 that didn't go uh, before was Georgia receiver Georgia uh, George Pickens? I mean, that guy. I he's he's a guy that obviously is going to be a little underrated just because of his injury, um, injury history. You know, last summer he actually tore his ACL, or last spring I should say, came back for the last few games of this season, made some big plays on their way to the national championship. But he really came on the scene his freshman year, right? He was he was a huge stud. He led the team in receiving all receiving categories as a true freshman. And and one thing I do think that's kind of maybe preventing him from regaining that stock that he had as a, as a true freshman is the offense he played in, man. He, he didn't play with an elite quarterback. He didn't play with anything close to an elite quarterback in college football um, in Georgia. I mean, they, they won a national championship because of a lot of other things, but it, it wasn't really the quarterback. And I do think that could help his stock, you know, lower and allow him to be, you know, a guy, at, you know, in the, the bottom of the second round. Now that you're in this situation, Rocky, obviously you didn't know how, how it would work out when you're fir- making that first pick. With retrospect, would you think about going another route with that first pick just because you know – if you know you have George Pickens at 62? Um, yeah, 100%. If – I tell you what, in most drafts that 
I've done I've done probably a hundred mock drafts uh, leading up <laughs> to this one that I did live and playing out different scenarios. And in the mock drafts where it falls that they're that we're able to take an edge rusher in the first round, uh, I'd say ninety percent of the time the second round pick is George Pickens. Um, nice. I think I think if we don't take a wide receiver in the first round, then second round George Pickens is the only guy that makes sense as a wide receiver in the second round if he's there. Um, other than that you might as well wait to the third round and beyond. And then if you wait that long, then you're missing out, which is why I think it is important to take a wide receiver early. Yeah. Uh, but if you can get George Pickens in the second round and one of the top, you know, seven or eight edge rushers in the first, then I think you hit a home run right there. You could almost put a bow on the rest of the draft and be happy walking away, you know, with those two picks. Yeah. It does. It does seem like there's always a receiver in the second. It's It's usually the second round. I would say that, you know, for whatever reason, uh, it feels like, you know, some people really like him, some people, and, and then the NFL kind of devalues him a little bit. You know, DK Metcalf obviously comes to mind. Um, you know, it could be that situation with George Pickens where, you know, two years ago, I think he was a lot of people's wide receiver one coming into this class. And so at some point you got to consider like, did he really change? Did he really lose that much? Or is he, is he still have the potential to be a wide receiver one? And you're taking that in the second round all day, every day, a few other options at 62 that I just noted because I, I've just, I've, I've noticed them recently in my studying and I know they fit a little bit with maybe the offense. I think Martin Emerson, the cornerback from Mississippi state, he's kind of a lengthier, bigger cornerback. You know, that obviously is what the chiefs have wanted at cornerback recently. He could have been a pick, although I do agree Sanders is the pick over him. And then just cause I, I, I've noticed PFF's kind of been hyping him up, and he's kind of an exciting player. Sky Moore, the wide receiver from Western Michigan, he, he you know he's not the biggest guy, which is is probably why he may not be a target for the Chiefs. You know he, he does kind of fit more of the Z, which they already have in McColl and Tyreek. Although hey, you do have to think about in the future, not just this year, obviously. But Sky Moore, I don't know, he makes a lot of plays. He he doesn't play like he's five eleven, five ten. I mean he he jumps out the building. He he's jumping over guys. Um, yeah, I, I think he's kind of an exciting player. Uh, you know, is, are there any other guys from that kind of range that you're considering there, or uh, you know, or any receivers, any any offensive weapons, any like running backs or tight ends you're thinking about right now? I don't, I don't think so, but I'm just asking. Rocky. So not not in the second round, really. Um, you know, I really am kind of honing in on either Pickens or or an edge rusher at that point. Yeah. Uh, one guy, one guy who I think is underrated. But I think the second round is too high to take him. It's James Cook out of Georgia. Um, oh yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of people, you know, he's Dalvin Cook's little brother. He moves a lot like his older brother. Um, one of the knocks on him is he isn't the biggest guy, kind of like you said, but he's five pounds lighter than Jamal Charles was coming in the league. I mean, so and yeah. I think that worked. I think we all agree that worked out pretty well. He's a similar <laughs> upright running running style. Um, I think that he's. He's electric with the ball in his hands. He can catch it. He can run with it. You could probably even put him in the slot a little bit. Uh, I think he's a versatile weapon. You can move around. And so um, I wasn't looking at him at 62, but third, fourth round, if he's there, I would. I think he's a big swing that you could take. 